kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. The story of how I met your mother. This is how it all began, and it's led us here. The right place at the right time. It's Last Call at McLaren's Pub. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition podcast, or rather a conference call without the beer, for FanboysAnonymous.com, where the topic at hand is a retrospective look at the critically acclaimed television series, How I Met Your Mother. I am your host for this evening's festivities, Tony Mango, and I'm joined on the mic by a panel of fanboys of the show from the Dace Man Show here at Mega Powers Radio. Have you met Chris Dace? Hey, 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 Dacular Nation, what's up? We also have another fanboy here. Have you met Ronnie Brown? Hey. We have a fangirl here. Have you met Jamie Sefuentes? Hi. And we have the person who brought this all together. Have you met Robert DeFelice? Hello. And we also have you guys, and that's something that I want to bring up right now for anybody who does not know how these things work. We're going to keep this kind of loose and bounce around between different topics, and if there's something that you want to bring up and talk about, you can call into the show by using the Skype icon or dialing 760-512-7247 or that other number that we have for some reason popping up there. I don't really know why we have that, but it does work. So you can use that if you're interested in calling with that number as well. If you run into a situation where we have a lot of callers, we're unfortunately going to have to limit the time that people can talk. So when we have to call, uh, cut your call off, we're going to lemon law you. So don't take that too uh, personally to heart. <laughs> but let's get started, shall we? I have one question that I want to pose to you guys that I need to know the answer to immediately. Seriously, what kind of a fake name is Cook Poo? <laughs> 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 uh, so obviously that's not how we're going to actually start here that would have been a, a horrible way to start on the whole podcast but uh, one thing I want to do before we get into doing the retrospective kind of stuff is just go around in a circle here and not do a circle of screaming or is it a chain of screaming it's a pyramid isn't it pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen tomorrow night on the show just very generalized, and we're going to pick it back up a little bit later on and go more deep into the discussion, but do you guys think this is going to be one of those shows where everybody watches the finale and they're disappointed, or do you think this is finally going to be one of those TV sh- series like uh, a Breaking Bad or a Seinfeld to some people, though some people kind of disagree about that, where we're all going to be satisfied at the end? I'll start with you, Dave, since you were the first introduced. Do you think this is going to be a good finale or we're going to be disappointed? It's kind of tough because like I didn't want to build it up too much in my head. So I've been not thinking about it since uh, Monday night, but it it's going to tie up a lot of loose ends and it's going to do it in a, the grand fashion way that they only can. So like I said, I haven't been trying to think about it too much because I did this with lost and I freaking hated the lost ending. So I'm just going to sit back, enjoy the ride, and I'm going in as a blank slate without too much uh, overthinking because I don't want to build it up in my head. What about you, Ronnie? I agree with that. I also have a feeling that I'm going to end up crying like a baby (laughs) because they've really shown this season that they do have a lot of emotional punches left. I mean, we'll get to more of that later, I'm sure, but the whole thing with the mother, possible theories, and... 
So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already choked. Kind of lost track there. <laughs> Jamie, what are your thoughts? Uh, I kind of also agree with Dace. Um, I've had my fair share of shows where the finales are normally tend to be disappointing because uh, it's just so hyped up in my head and I'm just so psyched and most of the time I'm let down. So right now for tomorrow's series finale, um, I'm trying to like just watch it like they said with a clean slate because I don't want to go in and just have all my hopes up and it's just people just, I don't know, I feel like nowadays TV writers tend to like ruin things by overdoing things. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Robert? I am I know one thing's for sure. I'm going to cry like a baby. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm trying to take it like Ted and the Potato Skins. I'm not trying to hype it up <laughs> too much in my mind. I'm just going to let it happen and hope it works. <laughs> nice reference. There's going to be so many references out there. If you knew the amount of notes that I took. I rewatched from uh, season one all the way to the end of season eight, just to prepare over the past couple uh, days. And really uh, caught back up with a lot of things. Reminded myself a lot about uh, different stuff that I've forgotten about, too. And thankfully, I did that, because I'm sure there's going to be references on the finale that if I wouldn't have watched that, it would have gone over my head, and I would have been like, damn it. Because there's one thing that I credit this show for more than any other show I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's their continuity. They have such an amazing show Bible, and they stick to that so well. There's barely any instances where something doesn't hold up from episode one until now. I think there's only been like maybe three things that people have mentioned to me where I haven't been able to figure out exactly how it would have made sense, and it would have just been like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's just a flub. Like... I know one thing that somebody had pointed out before was um, Marshall in one of the early episodes might be like episode four or something like that. He says that he's never really gotten into a fight. And then later on, they do that whole section where he beats the living hell out of uh, Doug, the bartender. And they flash back and show that he's been in fights with his brothers for all these years. That's one of the only ones that I can think of, but They've done such a stellar job when it comes to things like Lily can't keep a secret. Immediately, you know she can't keep a secret from the, the TV series. And they've kept that up until, you know, two three episodes ago, I think it was, where they finally let her keep a secret, which was kind of awesome. And mm-hmm. Marshall being good at games, I don't think there's a single game that he plays in the whole series where he doesn't win it. Or he's, you know, an outsider or something like that playing Marsh Gammon, which I still want to figure out the rules of that. And I can't remember the name of the, uh, the one that Barney plays in Atlantic city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is you say Igna at the end and you got to find the jelly bean. <laughs> but for you guys, have you noticed that kind of continuity throughout the series? Have you seen that? Like they, they keep the same basic concepts, but they apply it to, every little thing that they possibly can. They're playing Zitch Dog, and Marshall's the one who's kicking ass at that. And, you know, Robin's got a pretty steadfast character throughout it. Barney references things from past episodes constantly. What are your thoughts about that, guys? Well, um, well go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 
I the only real screw up I can notice is uh Scooter in the episode where Marshall and Lily get married, his name is Bill, but I think later on in the season they say his name is Jeff and they screwed that up. But outside of that, they are pretty tight as far as keeping all of the references in it and story plots together. I agree. I think they did a... That's one thing I do give them credit for, is, like, keeping all the plot lines, like, you know, like, flowing throughout the entire series. Like, there's times where they would bring up something, and I'm like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about that, and I'm so glad that they brought it up. Or um, last week's episode, when they finally ended the slap bet, I had completely forgotten about the slap bet at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. when he just, like, slaps him at the altar, I'm like the last slap like and that's just something that kept going also throughout the series i i i've never seen like such great continuity in a show before and i give them so many kudos for that yeah i agree and i feel like even if you can find some kind of mistakes you could just you could just write that off and say oh future ted may not be the most reliable narrator because he's remembering these things from so many years ago that's a really good point i mean he screws up with the goat he Mm -hmm. screws up with blah blah Although he does figure that out eventually. And they still don't know what's going to happen with the pineapple incident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another topic they bring up, too, the pineapple incident. What do you guys think happened at that? I mean, they haven't really hinted too much at it. Although there is something that I read, and I don't remember where I read it, so I apologize if it was like a, a blog or something of the sort. But something had said that Barney wasn't going to tell Ted what happened at the pineapple incident. So that kind of implied that Barney knows something. I thought it was interesting that in Twitter, uh, the producer on one of his last days, or not the producer, the, the head writer, he had a pineapple left on his desk. So I would hope he would mention it in the last episode. I kind of don't want to know. No, I don't, I don't think I need... You don't need to know. It's the great mystery of life. <laughs> That's going to be like, the big questions are going to be, what's in the briefcase and Pulp Fiction and... Uh, you know, what is Rosebud, and what's the pineapple incident, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, theories about pineapple incident? We're going to touch base on that a little bit later, too, but uh, I want to throw that out before we go to our first caller of the night. I've got nothing. I almost don't want to try to picture it. Just let the mystery go. I agree. I think that's part of the mystery of the thing is that there's just, I mean, in real life, there's just nights that you don't remember, you won't recall, and there's only little bits and pieces that you can put together, but and I think that's what I appreciate about the show is that, although there are very unrealistic parts of it, there's just things about it that teach you so much about life, at least in my eyes, going through college and whatnot, and there's so much I can relate to the show, and I think the pineapple incident is just one of those things that yeah, maybe you're not supposed to know because in life there's just nights that you don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with her because I have had plenty of those nights where I've woken <laughs> up with, uh, in a bed sheet that wasn't mine in the middle of a beach. So, <laughs> and no one has been able to explain it. And it's been fan- it's one of those stories where people just like have fun making fun of me. We're going to go to our first caller. Caller from the 603 area code. Blah, blah to us right now. But tell us what your name is and where you're calling from. Hi, would that be me? Yes, it would be. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I didn't realize I was going to end up going through. 
<laughs> so what, what's your name, 603? I'm a little surprised right now. <laughs> Who are you speaking to, 603? Uh, Maggie. Maggie. Hey, Maggie, what's up? And I'm a huge fan of How I Met Your Mother. Awesome. Awesome. So what are some things that you're, uh, if you're looking back at your favorite moments from the series, what are some things that pop into your mind immediately? Maggie, did we lose you? Uh, we might have lost Maggie there. I think what happened is you're calling back into a live show. We are reconnecting you now. All right, we apparently lost connection here. Blog Talk Radio is doing something a little bit odd with us. So, Maggie, if you get a chance to call us back in, please do so, and we'll throw you back onto the line uh, whenever we can. Explain the origin of the pineapple, and it just cut off. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to know. <laughs> So I apologize, Maggie. Um, like I said, call in whenever you get a chance to, and we'll throw you back on here. Um, continuing with the pineapple incident for now, though, uh, there is one aspect of the pineapple incident that I think that kind of sums it all up like we were talking about, which is about Ted just not remembering. And for the most part, we've been figuring out all of the little mysteries here and there. And I really want that to be the one that we don't. There's another big one that they haven't touched upon yet, and I will kind of hope that they throw that into the mix with the last episode if they do it in the way that I want them to. And it's kind of like the um, the ungrateful fan. If they don't make it this certain way, then I'm going to be kind of annoyed, and that's the Love Solutions person that was supposed to be a perfect match for Ted. Mm. I naturally want that to be the mother. And if they don't mention it, then I'm going to assume that it wasn't, and that's okay. But if they do mention it, and it turns out not to be the mother, I'm just going to be irked. I don't think they would do that, because they've been setting up all season just how similar she is to Ted. If they bring that up again, it has to be her. Do you think that it could be anybody else? Do you think that uh, they're going to throw a little reference out there to a past girlfriend, or... Just say, oh, it was somebody else. It doesn't matter. Could be Stella. <laughs> I hope it's not Stella. <laughs> I do, just because I'm a huge Scrubs fan. And <laughs> Yeah, well, at that point, why not have it be uh, Donald Faison? It, hey, it could be Turk. <laughs> For all some, nice little, some little guy love going on. <laughs> crossover. Zach Braff appears on the show. That's fantastic. They're friends. If it was going to be any crossover, I'd go with Leslie Nope, but that's just me. Well, if they do make the Love Solutions person be the mother, I think that's potentially a little bit of overkill, but a good way to really hit home that point that they are similar, like Ronnie was saying, where you really have this sensibility right now that they're meant for each other, but that would kind of put like the icing on the cake little cherry on top that they were meant for each other back then and Ted just needed to grow up a little bit more and I think it would make me hate Robin more honestly that he you know put off meeting the mother for eight years because he needed to be with Robin that badly and it ended 
so horribly. Well, there's a lot of hate for Robin, and I'm 50-50 on that. I mean, I like Robin's character, but when it comes to whether or not I'm defending Ted, then there's a different story. Part of that becomes, since I'm very much like Ted, I've been told by a bunch of different people that I am Ted Mosby, and people that don't even know me too, too well. But uh, a friend of ours, uh, for the, the people that are around the same area as me, uh, named Brett, who might be listening in. I don't know. Hey, Brett, if you are. <laughs> he always refers to me as Mosby whenever we, you know, we bump to each other in public and stuff like that. But I'm very defensive of Ted. So when I see things that Ted does that I do and people like make fun of him for it or whatever, I'm like, Ted's right. Like, <laughs> like they got all you know, doing the, the fart noises and stuff, and he's trying to bring a little bit of class into that. And I'm like, damn it, Ted, finish the sentence. Shit, the hell with them. Like, I want to know what this point is, Ted. And when it comes to Robin, from a fan perspective, I like the character, but I would hate her so much if I were in Ted's position, because she just screws him over constantly, doesn't she? Well, especially after that last episode. God, I would have killed her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just now you're going to yeah. be saying this? Nine freaking years, and this is when you want to tell me how you feel? <laughs> You're dead. Well, she kept them on a string for eight years. Don't forget the episode last season when, you know, right before she went to Russia, she was ready to be with him again, and she was just like, no, it's not going to happen. Sorry. Jamie, what do you think about Robin? Uh, from a different perspective, is that like a justified... Um way for her to go about things or is she being a bitch <laughs> um i've been 50 50 with robin over the series um there's been times where i liked her and then there's times where i absolutely hated her mainly because i also connect with ted a lot and i relate to him and it would like kill me to have someone like that in my life like constantly like stringing me along like that so whenever she does things to him that give him that gives him hope um, I don't know. That's just when I absolutely hate her. And then when they're like friends, I, I, I don't mind her. I don't know. There, she's just been up and down for me throughout the series. And I mean, I've kind of liked, um, I liked her from the start. And then I don't know. I like the way her character did develop though. And I feel like for Ted, if it weren't for her though, I don't think Ted would have matured. So, or like, have his character develop either. So I think, like, it kind of starts falling into place as the seasons go on. So I kind of have to give her props for that. Not quite sure if anyone else agrees. <laughs> I don't what? like her because she's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling a Barney Stinson on it, right? Oh, yeah. He's got, like, got hockey on their money. <laughs> I will give Robin a little bit more credit when it comes to her string, stringing along Ted that she's far better at doing that in a justifiable way than Ted is with Henrietta. Poor Henrietta. My God, she's baking cakes and making a whole bunch of food for him and thinking that he's going to propose. And and the foot massages. Don't forget the massages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's something I love about this series was they're so honest with stuff. Even the main characters can be assholes at times just because they're human. And, you know, the way that he calls Tiffany in that episode, he's just, hey, Tiffany, what's up? Oh, I got to leave. Sorry, Henrietta. Like, 
That's so perfect because that kind of situation does happen in real life. And they don't, you know, manipulate it in a way to make it just seem like Ted is perfect, Barney's perfect, Robin is, you know, this infallible angel type of a person, and Lily is this heart of the group, and, you know, everybody's got that dark side to them. Ted's kind of the intellectual of the group, but can be a total pompous ass about it. And Encyclopedia. Yeah, Encyclopedia. <laughs> and, you know, there's the, the uh, that sort of dark edge that Lily has. Obviously, Barney has a dark edge, but he's more so dark edge than anything else. And they have to do the opposite with him, where he has to show that he has a heart every once in a while. But that's something I've really been fond of about this show. Too many shows make their characters infallible, or they make a villain out of everybody who's not a main character and you have to just kind of instantly hate them even shows that i like i mean i'm guilty of liking the big bang theory and nobody really screws up on that show other than generic sitcom stuff there's not a whole lot of weight to that there's so much weight on how i met your mother which is a brings up an even better question of why they never won an emmy but oh, they never did no oh, oh god that's ridiculous how could they not win it? Well, nobody won for, like, Neil Patrick Harris didn't win or anything like that. He was nominated, but I think he never been won. Nominated. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I had to hit that. <laughs> that is a shame. They should have won at least one time one of the seasons for best show. I agree. Absolutely. Can't believe that they would do that. Well, you know what? I can believe because a lot of that's just BS, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody that I know that's watched this show has had a strong reaction to it. Either they're a huge fan of it or they absolutely hate it. And maybe that's one of the things that got into the way for the show. The people that really, really loved it just didn't have enough pull with the, um, the people that picked the Emmys and everything. I don't understand how you could hate this show. Me neither, but my girlfriend hates it. A bunch of friends of mine just can't stand it. I think it's really endearing, and I think that maybe there's just some kind of a disconnect when it comes to the characters, because you have to love the characters on this show. The concept, too, but if you don't get into the characters, then you're not going to be somebody who's crying like we are going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons like, <clears throat> I've had friends who absolutely hate it. Uh, one of the things they hate it is because I guess it just romanticizes the idea of love and how it works. And they're like, that's so unrealistic. But at the same time, I feel like although it's a TV show and there are aspects of it that are unrealistic and just wouldn't happen in real life, there's things that are said in the show, mainly out of Ted, that just kind of resonate with how you tend to feel in like relationships or with friendships or just any kind of relationship you have with the person. And I feel like the people who hate it don't get to really see those points or see those scenes. They just kind of base it off of what they hear or they watch one episode and they're like, I'm not hooked. And so like I've noticed that the people that do like it are the people who connect, who can connect with the characters. And if you can't connect with any of them, I feel like, oh, then yeah, I guess the show is just lost on you. I don't know. I think some of it might be about whether or not you're sentimental. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't sure. want to. I don't want to necessarily say soft, but that might be another synonym to use for that too. Because I'll admit it, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you actually have to think too. It's not just like here's generic sitcom humor, you know, laughs. You, you right, nobody's just to... falling down for the sake of falling down, and you're supposed to laugh because oh, they got hurt. Haha, isn't that funny? Except for Marshall falling back in the chair, but that's. Even that, they did a lampshade on it, and it was like, that's what passes for comedy. Oh, look at this, I'm going to fall back. Oh, look, crap, I am falling back. Like, Just to throw it out there for the slapstick fans that are out there. But I've loved their sense of humor on this show, and the sentimental side of it as well. So when it comes to, like Jamie was saying, the poignant moments, and they're bringing up things like the Gary Blauman episode that just passed by, what a great way to sum up the fact that you do end up losing track with people and you just don't know what happens in their life and if you really want them to stick around then you have to work for it yeah i mean so many people just fall through and even with a tight group like that i think ted even said in the robots versus wrestlers episode that not even they are as close but they do have their moments where they make sure to see each other. And what a sad moment, too. One of the best moments of the series, I think, on that one episode in, I believe it was season seven. Might be season eight, but I'm not 100% positive. Where Ted has the tickets to Robots vs. Wrestling, and he's the only one sitting in the bar. That season was season eight. eight. Season eight. Season eight I loved, yeah, I love that episode. That yeah. was another honest moment where... You just kind of sit there and you're like, ah, oh, the feels. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't have that sentimental side, I don't know if that really resonates with you. I think also, I if, you're, if you're not invested in Ted as a character, then that's not really going to hit you as hard as it would. Because if someone was just watching that episode as their first episode of How I Met Your Mother, they probably wouldn't care. True. Something else that would do the same feeling is Bad News, the episode that counts down, which I didn't know that it counted down either. Do you guys know that, the one with... Yeah, when that was that was pointed out to me after I watched it for the first time, so naturally I immediately went back and watched it again and was just amazed by that. Yeah, I caught that after, like, a couple times watching myself. I didn't catch it at all until maybe a couple months ago. And I just, you know, stumbling along something on Reddit or something like that, and bang, somebody brings that out, and I'm just like, oh my god, I missed this, and that shows you the level of detail that they put into this show, and how they are perfectly willing to let something go by and not call attention to it. Community is another example of a TV show that does that as well, but we're talking about How I Met Mother here. Um, <laughs> that kind of attention to detail, and that I don't know if I would say that devotion to just the extra, but they're willing to go that little bit extra to make sure that the fans that are huge and really into the show and are going to obsess about it from every angle are going to get little things here and there about that. Instead of just, look, we're going to trudge through this episode as fast as possible. This is the story. We're going to tell that. and That's the end. Because you don't really get anything necessarily out of watching the fact that it counts down other than that satisfaction of a fan of, that's so cool. Like, it doesn't help the episode. It doesn't make... You know, the, the meaning of the episode any different or whatever, but 
by the end you hit reach the same point and that's one of the best episodes i think that they've ever done that really shows that it can tie in the comedic element and the dramatic one because so i don't know about you guys but when they did that episode i had it in the back of my mind that i was just like they're focusing a lot this season on marshall's father i don't know if that's just like they really wanted to incorporate a lot with him and he was like oh whenever you want me on an episode i'll be a part of it or if they're building towards something and when it came to that episode i put it all aside for some reason and god they hit me that was just amazing i think that's probably the most emotional episode they had done up until recently you know Mm-hmm. I know that it almost got me to cry. So far, I'm doing pretty good when it comes to crying at stuff. I've only cried at three movies, and I've only cried at one TV show one time. And that almost got me. What I heard is that Jason Siegel didn't know what she was going to say. Like He just knew that his cue to react was the word it. Like her, The last thing she said was he didn't make it. So when he heard the word it, that's when he knew, okay, it's my turn to react. So I don't know if that's true, but apparently that reaction was genuine. Yeah, on the inside the actor's studio that they just did the other day, they were talking about that scene, and they said that that was all done just that one take, even. So that's the first time that he was told his father's going to die on the show. And um, what's her name? Allison Hannigan was saying, like, oh, well, you know, let's reset and do another one. And they were like, no, it's perfect. Like, you, you don't have to do any more. That's exactly what we were going for. Dedication for the actors as well to do that, because not many people can pull that off. And the chemistry, too, and Especially between Jason Siegel and Allison Hannigan. They yeah, never a... missed a beat. Oh, go ahead, finish. No, that's it. You can go. There's a great moment in that scene that shows that off I think and that's when he goes to hug her and then breaks down after that I don't know if that was a conscious choice or not but I always read that as him going like oh I'm supposed to comfort Lily wait a minute now it's hitting me that you know my father's dead and breaking down and all that in retrospect that's one of those things that really hits me harder now over the past year i lost my dad and i can't watch that scene now without getting teary-eyed even more than i did originally when i watched the, the show but that's got me now i mean ugh. when i got to that when i was re-watching the first eight seasons i was just like nervous as all hell i'm like oh i'm gonna have to watch this scene <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to do Aww. this when nobody's around just in case What are some other scenes that you guys think are on par, maybe better, maybe not as much, but the most emotional scenes that are out there? Dace? Well, uh, for me, um, this season, just in itself, it's not really like, none of these have actually brought me down to tears, but they've gotten me to the point where they go, holy crap, that's a lot like what I'm going through right now, or holy crap. I've had that happen, and blah, 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 all that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this season alone, almost every episode, I'm I'm laughing, 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 enjoying, and then, like, the last five minutes, it's like, oh, I gotta, I'm feeling emotions. I don't, like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> and, and most of them, 
usually resonate when it's Ted and Robin interacting. Um, because we've all been in a situation like that before where you've poured your heart into someone, but they don't exactly accept it or give the same back. And here you always have that hope and she seems to crush it every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, any scenes that come to your mind with you? Uh, not in particular. Uh, I guess for me, I guess it was also similar whenever I saw Ted and Robin interacting and like Ted or just in general when Ted's pouring out his heart to someone and it just not getting reciprocated. Uh, for whatever reason, it was always good timing because I would always be going through something very similar at the time or something similar had just happened maybe the month or two before. And to kind of see it in Ted's perspective kind of helped me see my situation in, like, different eyes, and that would always resonate with me. Um, This show was probably one of the first shows since Full House to ever really bring me to tears. Um... Like I said, I can't really think of any episodes off the top of my head because there's just so many. Um, Maybe it's just Bob Saget being in the show. The <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I don't know. There's a, uh, I could always get into uh, conversations about Full House. That, I don't know. But um, I don't know. There's It's it's always with Ted that always gets me. Um, there's just something about him that I always want to cry for him half the time just see him go through so many things throughout the entire show and I'm like oh this guy this poor guy um I think also when we see a breakthrough with Barney sometimes because his character was built like you know I can withstand almost anything when you see him or like what was the episode when uh I think something with his dad um when he finds out about something about his dad being just normal I think was also like a episode that resonated with me. I don't know. When he Not... um, does the thing with the basketball net? Yeah. That one. Uh, that thing, I think that episode showed a lot of Barney's like emotional side. And I thought that was also, I like seeing Barney's emotional side whenever, throughout the show. Because it's just like, it's always heartbreaking. I'm like, oh God. Um, so I don't know. I just think NPH is just an awesome actor when it comes to that sort of thing, though. That's a great scene. I love that scene. And the honesty in that line, too. I mean, we were talking earlier about the honesty uh, behind a lot of the characters, where he just says, you know, if you could have been a boring, suburban, normal dad, why couldn't you have been that for me? And that right there tells you immediately what has been behind Barney in his mind for, I think he's supposed to be like 33, 34 at that time. Yeah, and I, I love that line. That that scene doesn't bring me to tears, but that every time I see that episode, that line just hits me hard. I mean, I have a great relationship with my dad, so it's not that I relate to that feeling, but it's just he sells it so well. You can just feel that emotion behind it. Well, Ronnie, is there any other scenes that pop up uh, when you're thinking of emotional scenes that really hit you? I really like the end of symphony of illumination back in season seven where ted's trying to comfort robin so he took all the christmas lights and decorated the apartment and for here it was all just because he thought that robin couldn't be a professional professional what pole vaulter yeah (laughs) 
when turn when she really couldn't have kids. I just really, really love that scene. And also we had mentioned it but the end of um Time Travelers from season eight, Ted's big emotional speech to the mother about how if he could just have those extra forty five days, you know, he would love that. That scene gets me too. I've seen that episode a few times now. And I just really love that. Robert, what about you? I would say not so much the episode where you find out Marshall's father died, but definitely the funeral at when they're all outside in the snow and Marshall's talking about his dad. That scene gets me more than any other on the show just because it makes me think, well, well what would I do if I actually lost my dad? You know, everyone just kind of sits there and thinks about it for a second and you are left with that moment. And then in Time Travelers as well, that gets me every time. And uh, Vesuvius, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to definitely devote a whole section of Vesuvius. That's going to be a rough one. Um, when you brought up the scene or the episode afterward when they're doing the funeral, that kind of ties back to what I had mentioned earlier about how my personal feelings are when it comes to uh, having lost my father. When I watched the episode where, you know, bad news where his, his father dies at that time, mine was alive and that's why it didn't hit me as hard as it does now. But I forgot about actually the episode that comes after that. And when I was rewatching it this time around and, you know, there's the whole discussion about what, the last thing you said to your father was that was really tough for me to get through as well. Cause it turned out that when my father passed away just at this time last year, we're almost up at, at, at an actual year that, uh, that he died. I didn't get a chance to talk to him before he did. He was in a, basically a comatose state for two, three weeks or so. And that was something that bothered me so much when that happened. Now I've gone through an entire year, obviously that, you know, time heals all wounds. But coming across that scene and dealing with that was really tough for me to sit through. And we all know that these are, you know, fictional characters and everything, but they're built on such a strong foundation of truth and obviously personal experiences from the writers and the producers and everybody that they draw from that that was a real tough thing for me to get through. So that became a really tough scene for me to watch. And it wasn't originally when I watched the show. Another thing that, for some reason, got me pretty hard at the time, and it really shouldn't have because it's more comedic scene than anything else, was the episode where they do a little funny thing at the end where um, they're talking about their, their future selves, and Marshall is writing a letter to his, I think it's his 60-year-old self, and says, like, oh, you know, when you get a chance, can you send a sign from the future back at this time? And they end up having the free chicken wings or chicken fingers or whatever it was because they were too hot. And you see that there's the time-traveling Marshall from the future. And he's like, oh, I didn't send them back for uh, because they were too hot. I, I just already ate earlier. It's a funny scene, but for some reason that always was kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really stupid. I mean, it's supposed to be a 60-year-old Marshall sending back hot wings. So, I don't know why that ever really got me, but let's start talking about the time travelers and all that, because this is going to be a huge topic. We'll get into some 
fun ones afterwards to bring up the spirits because this is going to be tough. The main theory that's been going around for a long time now is that this is all going to turn out to be a story about how he met the mother because the mother's dead. And I've had arguments with friends of mine about whether or not there's any validity to that. And I've been going for years on the train of, come on, they're not going to do that. No, there's absolutely no way. And Time Travelers comes up, and he's starting to talk about he wants those extra 40 days. And I'm like, why would he want those extra 40 days? Maybe Ted's just, he wants those extra 40 days because she's awesome. There, that, That'll justify it in my mind. And then, bang, Vesuvius comes. And I almost cried immediately after watching Ted cry. Because that was just that moment of realization for me where I was just like, this is going to end up being bad. (laughs) So if anybody did not catch up for some reason, obviously we're going to spoil this right now. But the scene in Vesuvius that we're all going to be talking about is, of course, uh, Robin's mother showed up at the wedding whose mother doesn't show up at their daughter's wedding. Ah. Uh, yeah. When, so... when, <laughs> when Ted broke down, I, I broke down, like she said. And it, it just took me a minute to, I didn't want to believe that the mother could possibly be dead. I just refused to register that. And then after the episode ended, I just really thought about it. And actually, Tony, your article about, Instead of the mother, I mean, Ted's mother being the one who could be dead, that's actually something that crossed my mind as well. Because that line, it would kind of make sense. You know, what mother doesn't show up to her daughter's wedding, and then maybe Ted's remembering, maybe something just happened to his mother. But who knows? I mean, they are, the writers are really good about letting us believe one thing and then totally pulling the rug out from under us and going a different direction. And not to mention that the mother said, I don't want you to live in your stories. Life only moves forward. And Ted just gets more serious than ever. And it just really makes you think. Mm-hmm. And Bob Saget wasn't in that one. That's the only episode he's not in. Oh, really? He wasn't? Yeah, mm-hmm. that is pretty notable that there was, no nar- there was no narration from future Ted. It was just the, pretty much the entire thing was... Ted from whatever year that was, I don't remember, but is that Ted kind of narrating the whole thing? Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, so that part of the story isn't told to the children. Oh, man, that's going to add another element to that. I didn't even think about that. Wow. I didn't even pick up on that, to be completely honest. But now if you go back and watch that episode, you'll think, well, damn, he's not in this. Now, if we go back, we're going to find out that it's counting down throughout the whole episode. We're going to be like, son of a bitch, we didn't think of that either. Dace, what do you think about the, the theory? Is the mother dead, or is it some kind of a backup, like my escapism of, no, the, Ted's mother died and didn't get to see his sister Heather's uh, wedding, and that's why, that's why, come on, believe it that instead. <laughs> oh, she totally kicked the bucket. I mean, who's going <laughs> to sit their kids down and say, hey, I'm going to tell you a story about your mother, and that mother never interjecting once in nine years. Well, it doesn't take them nine years to tell a story. Feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at the, like, I mean, at the, go, go ahead. ahead. 
Uh, sorry, it's it, like, seriously, how can a husband sit there and tell an entire story about the mother, like how he met the mother, and not once, like, get yelled at for some of the shit he told them? Like, he, he goes on, like, elaborate, the Barney and the, the streak. Like, he tells those kind of stories, and yet no interjection from the mother from the future. Maybe she's out at the store or something. <laughs> but... <laughs> But That's how the is, show ends. She just comes back with a bag of groceries, and she's like, "So, what have you been up to?" And they're like, "Dad's boring us." <laughs> it's just like I like that story. <laughs> it just ends. But see, if like if the mother is actually dead, I feel like with how good they are with the continuity, it's really insensitive for the kids to react that way at the beginning of the story. Oh, you're gonna tell us a story about our dead mom? We don't want to <laughs> hear this. Can we leave? Yeah. And Ted seems a little bit too happy when he's telling the story, too. Eh, it's just him getting stuck in the past. I mean, I tell stories about what I've done in the past, and it makes me smile. Yeah, but are you telling them to about, like, somebody who died? I died a little bit when some of these things happened. Touche, <laughs> touche. <laughs> But yeah, that is really insensitive. The kids are just kind of like, Dad's reacting on about our dead mom. (laughs) Dude, she died like two days ago. Get over it, Dad. (laughs) Move on already. God. (laughs) I'm really hoping that it is some kind of a a red herring and that it's not something that actually points to that. There's one thing that's making me hold out a lot of hope and I didn't think about this when the episode aired, but looking back, and I didn't rewatch season nine uh, on this marathon that I did, but I did just check up a couple clips for the hell of it. There is a scene from this season where Ted's doing the crossword puzzle, and they show him with the mother for uh, a year later when he brings her back, and he's saying, you know, when I was sitting here at this table a year ago, I said one year from now I would bring her back and, oh, well, you didn't meet me yet. Yeah, but I knew that I would and whatever. And when he's doing the crossword puzzle, he goes, ah, Vesuvius. Nah, wait, that doesn't fit. Huh. Oh, hmm. look at you picking out things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on a second time of watching it as well. <laughs> Never on the first one. Not good enough for that, but... So that's maybe a little clue that they're throwing something out on the episode of Vesuvius to make people think one thing, and it's going to turn out to be something else. And the big theory that I'm hearing that I'm starting to buy into for an alternative is that scene in Vesuvius takes place in 2024, and he's telling the story to the kids in 2030, so six years have passed by. That's more than enough time for you know, things to get worse, but it's also time for things to get better. And I've been hearing a lot of people saying, what if she has a terminal illness in 2024 when they're doing this whole talk about, you know, the mothers and daughters at weddings and stuff. But in the next six years, she gets better. Hmm. Maybe like they find out that she has cancer and in the six years she goes through chemotherapy and they... You know, they obviously flash back to this in the next episode. They can't just leave that loose thread hanging. And, you know, she's gotten a little bit better, and now they're just celebrating the fact that the cancer is gone or something, and that's why he's telling the story. I think that that could play into it. They've got a very long hour ahead of them, if that's what they're going to do. 
they're just gonna cram it all in they're just yeah gonna do lots of flash forwards and flashbacks and just be like remember this it was it was that and <laughs> pineapple theory this is what happened <laughs> like <laughs> that would be the entire hour right. we find out she was reincarnated as a pineapple <laughs> and the entire time mm, yeah. that's what it was <laughs> symbolism at its finest right pineapples are yellow <laughs> my guardian pineapple <laughs> someone is going to hear this and run with this and like an article is going to blow up and trending on facebook pineapple is the mother <laughs> <laughs> the pineapple incident well she was out in the rain and her yellow umbrella you know it, it wrapped itself around her and somehow yes. threw her back in time as a pineapple <laughs> ted finally got tired of the bitches and wetted up with a pineapple <laughs> It's, it's gonna turn out to be like Castaway, where he's talking to Wilson. <laughs> he's, he's really just adopted these two kids, and he's talking to a pineapple. <laughs> so this is your mother. Doesn't she look pretty today? Nah, the entire time he was in a padded room, just talking to like chairs. That would explain why she doesn't have a name. None of these stories are true. Look at Barney. He's not a real person. <laughs> he didn't really Canada doesn't exist. Woman. I'm going wild. Gotta reel me back in. <laughs> I'm gonna reel that back in with something that was just brought up, though. The mother's name. She's still. When we're one episode past what we should have known, as far as I was concerned. I thought we were gonna know the last part of this episode that just ended, and we still don't know her name. But we I have Blaba's name. Well, yeah, we figured out Blaba's name. <laughs> he he better not be not remembering his mother's uh, their mother's name. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about how I met your mother. What was her name? Uh, <laughs> Penelope, because it sounds like pineapple. <laughs> well, that's uh, Penny is the daughter's name. Ah, damn it! So she and, might be a Penelope. And Luke is the son. Yeah, so they didn't quite get Luke and Leia. I mean, at least she gave him half of it. Yeah. Well, that's actually something that people are thinking. Maybe that her name is Leia. That's what Brett said when I talked to him about it. He he's dead set on it being Leia. That'd be really strange. For the people that are following and paying attention to all the little details and stuff, and I didn't for this one as well, uh, somebody else pointed it out to me, the episode How Your Mother Met Me, and they follow her around, there's a birthday cake, and her name is cut off of it, but it looks like it ends with a Y. So when they had that episode Daisy that was coming out, everybody was like, oh my god, Daisy's going to be her name, and everybody forgot about the fact that they could just introduce a kid. <laughs> yeah, when I when I first read the episode listing, I thought, okay, Daisy's her name. Like, it seems like it would have fit. Mm-hmm. But I have a different theory, and I'll mention that when everybody else goes. But uh, Daisy, if you have to pick what her name is, what do you think it's going to be? Uh, Shakira. Way to go with the obvious one, Daisy. <laughs> I know, right? She's got the. Uh hips that don't lie i'm out i don't know what her name is <laughs> robert what do you think it's gonna be robin with a y i've heard that quite a bit actually yeah jamie i've heard i've heard the robin with the y too um i really you know off the top of my head i can't really think of any names uh maybe it's something like Allie. i'm not really quite sure Ronnie? 
I I really don't know. I mean, it's kind of like the pineapple incident for me where I don't want to speculate. I just want to wait and see what we get because no matter what, there will be some people who are like, oh, that's a perfect name. It makes complete sense. There will be other people who are just like, what the hell? Like, that's an awful name. That makes no sense. So no matter what, people are going to... People are either going to love the choice or hate the choice. Kind of like, I feel like kind of like when Kristen Melody was cast and when she was revealed at the end of season eight. Most people I know loved her, but there you see people online who weren't crazy about her. There's two things that I think might play into here. One of them is when he says to a hooker in one of the episodes, <laughs> not a hooker, a stripper. I should clarify between the two of them in case there's anybody <laughs> listening. Uh, he is at the strip club. And she introduces herself and she says, I'm, I don't know, Jasmine or something like that. And he's like, I'm Ted. And she goes, actually, I'm really Tracy. And he says, I'm still Ted. And he ends that episode with, and that kids is how I met your mother. And they go, what? So they believe that. And he goes, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just kidding. That's not true. So if that's the case, maybe her name's Tracy. And he's well, telling the story. So he's telling the story and it's like, hi, but, you know, actually, my name is Tracy. And that's why they go, wait, what? Because... They know, obviously, what their mother's name is by now. Unless he's really that bad of a storyteller and he still hasn't told them over these years. <laughs> I'm thinking Kimberly, though. And the main reason for that, which I didn't think of until I rewatched these episodes, is pretty early on, he says to, I think it's Marshall, that he's going through a list of things that he really likes about women and, you know, different things that uh, his future wife should do and have and personality traits and all that. And he's, he mentions about she should play bass in a band and whoever it is, Marshall or Barney, I think it's Marshall says like Kim so-and-so from whatever the band is. And he's like, yeah. And then Marshall says, or Kim, whatever, from names another band and he goes any kim from any band so hmm. kimberly hmm. does end with a y long enough to fit on that cake and she is in super freakonomics so i mean <laughs> these, these are possibilities <laughs> i could see her being pretty much any name at this point maybe not shakira but <laughs> damn it i'm not watching i'm out but i'm definitely going with kimberly i'm gonna bet the house on that one and if it turns out to be something else, I'll be fine with it. Because I was really on the skeptical wagon before they introduced who actually you know, was going to play the mother. And that one shot at the end when they showed her, I immediately was just like, they got it. I don't care. Anything that they do on this show, I'm just going to believe it from now. Because <laughs> the, the big thing that I was worried about, they got it perfect. She's totally a mix between Robin and Lily. Which is what I was kind of hoping for. You think they were casting for a while, or do you think they knew who they wanted and they just took it? I don't think that they knew too far ahead of time. Maybe like two or three seasons before they cast her. But you gotta figure, she probably was really young when it started. I don't know how old she is now, but she doesn't look that old to me right now. Isn't she like 25? She might be. I'm just saying that because I'm hoping she's my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's she's kind of from Arna- She's from Arnak of the Woods. I think she's from like, Cherry Hill. Right, yeah. See? I can get some digits. <laughs> Already <laughs> five, six. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so your first thoughts about the mother. Um, let's go on that topic. I already just said my piece. Thought she was perfect. And I know some people um, that weren't really too big on her that have gotten used to her. And now throughout season nine, they really kind of understand the point. But did you guys instantly like her as well? Or did you have some kind of skeptical perspective of it? Or do you still hate her if that's the case? (laughs) I thought she was perfect. You did? I thought she was the minute they showed her and you just saw the way she carried herself. She looked like she fit right in with the cast and it just clicked. Yeah, I agree. I saw her and before we saw her, I didn't really have a mental picture of what I thought she would be. But then once she appeared, I had that same reaction. You did, Tony. Like, that's it. They got it. She's perfect. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when I saw her, I was like, oh. like I'm like I couldn't imagine anyone else being the mother at that point. I was like, that's like on point. They got it. End of story. Like, I had no problems with her being the mother whatsoever. Nor have I really met anyone who hated her. So that's all new for me. Peace. Oh, I immediately called dibs and had started googling <laughs> her. <laughs> like, this is going to be my future wife. <laughs> Sorry, Ted. She's fine. <laughs> so maybe that's how the story ends. Yeah, the mother leaves Im- for Chris Dates. <laughs> he had implied dibs, and it just does not fly. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, we just spoiled the finale for everybody listening. <laughs> that's why I'm flying out tomorrow morning. <laughs> Man, how are they going to introduce Dates in that hour? <laughs> it's going to be legend. Wait for it. I'll finish it later. <laughs> <laughs> He comes out of the pineapple, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a giant cake kind of thing when people come out of it. Big pineapple instead. Oh, uh, I'd be the most hated person in America. Just go like full ham about it. Hi, guys. I'm Chris Dace. I'm going to be the, uh, the father instead. Have you met me? <laughs> By the way, she's 28. Ah, oh, damn it. Sorry, that's not that bad. Closer to my age. There goes your dibs. Damn. No, you, okay. I called dibs first. Yeah, well, I'm older, so screw that. <laughs> Another topic I wanted to bring up here that people debate about back and forth. When we didn't know who the mother was, people were thinking a lot of different people that were relation, in relationships with Ted were alternatives for the mother. And they had said before that if they were only in one season, they would have just given it to Victoria. But if you had to go with a second best choice and the mother or whatever her name is ended up not being the person that they ended up putting there and they ended up just going back to an old girlfriend or whatever like that is, who would you guys rather have seen Ted end up with? Maybe Zoe, Stella, Natalie, blah, blah. I'm going around and kind of a reverse circle from last time. Dace, who would you rather have had? Obviously Stella. Just because uh, Sarah Chalk? Sarah Chalk. Sarah Chalk for the win. <laughs> Jamie? Um, I guess either Stella or Victoria. I'm leaning more towards Victoria because I feel like they clicked a lot better. Um, yeah. But I think I would have been disappointed had they gone that route, though, altogether. <laughs> Ronnie? Yeah, I agree with Victoria. That would, that would be my next choice. Robert? Victoria only because 
Zoe and Ted didn't get along. Stella already had a child, so where would that child have been? Victoria was the only one who even remotely made sense, even though I kind of have been hoping for Ted and Robin, even though she's introduced as Aunt Robin, and I'm sure those kids have nightmares about their father and their aunt sleeping together, but <laughs> doesn't matter. I, I would have went with either Victoria or Robin if it could have happened. I don't know who I would go with. I didn't really like any of them enough. I mean, Jeanette was annoying as all hell. Stella, man, screw Stella. Hey! <laughs> and Zoe, the hell with Zoe. She was just a total bitch. I'd probably have to go with some random one that they just had in like one episode or something. And I don't really know who that would be off the top of my head. I always thought that the slutty pumpkin would have been a good thing to bring back if they needed to. And I'm really glad that they did eventually do that and she ended up being the total opposite just because it throws that on a, you know, 180 curve. But my big theory before they did it eventually was that it was all going to turn out to be Barney's half-sister. I was looking forward to that. I thought I called it, you know, well in advance. And ever since that episode where they do the whole scene with the um, the basketball net and the, the sister's not there and they mention that she's in college, I was just like, duh, they're throwing that out there because that's what's going to be. I know it. I know the end of the series. Everybody could just skip to the end. I got it. And then they bring her on and it's totally wrong. And I'm just like, duh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> When they introduce the character, though, Carly Whitaker, she's totally not somebody that I could see with Ted, so you wouldn't bring that name up uh, for potentials for that. I'd probably end up going with Victoria, but that second trip around with Victoria, I didn't like her as much. Yeah, I kind of just throw that out the window. I didn't care for who they brought her back as. What well, goes for second choices of other people, Barney had a whole thing going on with Nora and we thought that he was going to marry Quinn at one point. Obviously now it's over with and we know that he marries Robin, but if you were to go for a second choice for Barney, what would you guys go with? Same order as before. Ace? Quinn. She was hot. (laughs) I really have like no reasoning except that she was hot and she was a stripper. Oh God. You don't think Nora was? Uh, She was hot, but she wasn't a stripper. Quinn was a stripper, come on. (laughs) Jamie, who would you want to have uh, seen? I probably would have gone with Quinn, just because based off the personality that Barney had, I felt like their personalities meshed well. Oh, like, sex-wise, anyways. Um, And, I mean, I I wasn't a big fan of Nora. I don't know why. I just didn't really like her. She really actually annoyed me a bit. Because it's a female Burhan. (laughs) <laughs> Ronnie who would you go with I'm going to agree with Quinn I just think that she she definitely was a better she seemed like a better match personality wise I agree with that and I, I liked Nora but they just didn't seem to click as well as you would expect as well as you would hope for someone who's going to be Barney's wife Robert I can't believe nobody said Ted's mom it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. But I would Can I change my answer? <laughs> Go right ahead. Go ahead. I, I would have definitely went with Quinn because they did match, but 
they did keep you guessing for a while with Barney, even with Patrice. I'll admit I was kind of fooled when they made it seem like he was going to marry Patrice and just change for Patrice. But all in all, I would have went with Quinn, and I think they could have ended Barney's story there. But no, Robin always had to be the center of attention, so Robin it was. I detect a hint of uh, hostility behind that. I I don't care for the Robin character. <laughs> really? Not even just like to to back up Ted, but in general. Well, no, just from everything she did romantically, I didn't care for her. The when she was just by herself, she was an awesome character and provided great moments. But romantically, she just screwed over Ted and was like ready to be with anyone else other than Ted, and that just. That just never sat well with me. And she's Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> it's all good in the Canadian thing. <laughs> I'm so glad that they ended up making Barney part Canadian, though, just to kind of balance that out a little bit. Uh, it was good. It, that was probably one of my favorite episodes, when he went to Tim Hortons in Toronto. How many yeah. loonies do you think picks up a bar tab at McLaren? <laughs> God, I hate why. Why do they have to have their dollars and two dollars to be coins? I don't like the jingle when I walk. What's wrong with that country? <laughs> Can I have an anti-Canada uh, podcast? Like after uh, How I Met Your Mother ends. Yes. Yeah. Like immediately after the episode ends. Yeah. Why we hate Canada? How I Met Your Mother. Nothing to do with retrospective. <laughs> Let's call it Canada is not steak sauce. Oh, God. I hate Canada. <laughs> Can they just become a state already? No, no, they should just disappear. We don't want them in our country. Them and their beards. <laughs> One mention move. that I gotta throw out there again for everybody. If you do want to call in and suggest random topics for us to talk about or talk about something else on your own, Little reminder, 760-512-7247, or you can call in using Skype, and we'll get you on the line, and you can complain about Robin, you can uh, talk about how awesome Barney is and you want to sleep with him, you can uh, try to challenge Marshall to a game and probably lose, whatever the case may be. So going from the idea of second choices and all that, oh, you know, before, I never said my choice, I would have gone with Quinn. Anyway, <laughs> and it's not because she's a stripper. I just thought that she meshed no, well. No, it's because she's a stripper. Come no, on. no. Doesn't she mesh well without the stripper element? I guess. Boom! <laughs> Lawyer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw a random topic out here just because I have a lot of notes down and I figured, what the hell, why not? The Naked Man. Anybody willing to try it? I know that... I don't have the balls to do it. Nope. No, not comfortable enough in my body to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's the Marshall and Lily case, and I've been with the girl for, you know, ten years. Yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> not with some girl I'm out on, the, on a first date with. Not even if you know that it's going to go bad? No, I, I, no I, I couldn't throw that Hail Mary. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Jamie, what would you do if somebody ended up pulling a naked man on you? You're going to fall uh, for it, like, with uh, Mitch? I really think it would have to depend on the guy. If it was someone I liked, 
I might actually go for it. I might fall for it. If it was something where I didn't really think it was heading in that direction and they decided to pull that, I might just run out of the room. Uh, <laughs> just because I've run out of rooms for worse. I mean, not for worse, for less. So to see, that would probably be the worst thing to ever happen to me if that were the case. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get your perspective on another thing here. Does Ted pull off the red cowboy boots? No. I never thought he pulled them off at all whatsoever. Like, he was cute for trying, but, uh, not, a, not, I felt, maybe if he wore the right outfit, but he never wore the right outfit to go with those boots. And to me, I'm just like, no, it's just, it doesn't work for me. Like, just take them off. Like, no, 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 no. What so other if, than bearded Wonder Woman can pull off red cowboy boots? I don't Bearded Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go back to the naked man, Tony, mm-hmm. challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I will report challenge back accepted. in a couple weeks. Yeah. I will next, report back in two weeks. Next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get the boots, too, and try that. Why not? Combine sure. your efforts. See if you can pull it off. Oh, I could easily pull a chick in those red boots. It matches the tone of my skin when I get mad. Like the Hulk. But red. <laughs> Can you at least get approved by G-Quack? Absolutely. Challenge accepted. Another random topic here. This is a really random one that pretty much nobody will have much to talk about, but I wanted to throw it out there because I want to give credit to myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm honest. What the hell? <laughs> the episode of Jenkins at the time, I thought this was a really weird instance that happened, but I... Usually when the show goes on, and I do this for other TV shows too, I don't pay that much attention to what the next episode's going to be about. I don't want to know really like any spoilers. And I try not to even watch the little, you know, next week on whatever. We're going to show you half the scenes that are going to be important and uh, spoil that and stuff. So I got into that habit a couple years ago. And funny enough, when it happened, uh, that episode of Jenkins... That day, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I don't think I've ever came across a woman named Jenkins. That's just such a a manly sounding name. Like, Jenkins is always, like, a dude. And I turn on How I Met Your Mother, and it's a whole episode about people thinking Jenkins is a guy. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) Weird Minnesota names, though. I mean, Jenkins. (laughs) They're basically Canadian, too. You go listen to the Minnesota people, they use the word A. Minnesota. (laughs) Hunt moose, it snows all the time, it's Canada. And they scream like Brock Lesnar, but that... (laughs) (laughs) Wow! (laughs) So we talked about the pineapple, pineapple incident, and there's a couple questionable things that they pick out through the series. There's the Olive Theory which for anybody who doesn't remember or anybody who missed that episode or anything is where Marshall and Lily, one of them likes olives and the other one doesn't. And that's what makes them a perfect couple. And we find out at the end of the episode that Marshall actually does like olives and great line as well. When he tells Lily about that, and Lily just says, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll work. <laughs> you know, it'll be okay. Months of therapy. <laughs> That's probably why they ended up breaking up and she moved to San Francisco because their whole relationship is based on a lie. You think about that? 
the olives kept going missing, and like <laughs> she didn't know what was going on, and it was, like you said, it was a lie. It was like instead of the episode where Ted and Robin break up over the milk, or have the argument over the milk, they don't break up over it, but uh, what you don't see and what Ted doesn't know, so he can't recant back to the kids, is before she decided to take that trip, she just went into the fridge one day and she's just like, I really want olives. No! <laughs> I gotta get away from Marshall so I can keep my olives stash. Do you guys think the olive theory has any actual credibility behind it? I do. Maybe not necessarily olives in particular, but I do think that you need a certain amount of give and take when it comes to relationships where somebody does something and somebody doesn't. You need maybe one person's a talker and the other person doesn't talk that much and they just listen, so that way you're not talking over each other all the time. You've got you know, an adventurer and you've got somebody who doesn't do that much, so the adventurer brings the other person out, gets them to try new things. Other person can kind of take them back down to earth. They didn't touch upon that kind of stuff that much, but that is basically what the olive theory depends upon. What do you guys think about that, Jamie? Um, I think uh, I thought it had credibility to it, not just in relationships, just any relationship you have with a person in general. Um, just kind of a balance of things is always nice. Um, I always kind of imagined with like my boyfriend and I, who I love seafood and he doesn't, so I'm like, well, whenever we go somewhere, I don't have to worry about someone taking my shrimp. I mean, that was like <laughs> the first thing I thought of with the olive theory. And I was like, so that kind of works. Um, but I mean, it works with any kind of sort of relationship you have. And I think that was kind of something, one of the first things that kind of I liked about the show was like things like that, about life in general. Now, after this podcast, you're going to get some shrimp and your boyfriend's going to be like, uh, actually... <laughs> <laughs> I would be so upset. <laughs> I would probably cry. <laughs> Off to therapy for you guys as well. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs> Robert, what do you think about the olive theory? I think every relationship does need balance, but they also show you within the olive theory that a lot of those signs from the universe and trying to find reasons to balance things is just in your head anyway, and it can all turn out to not be true. So, while I think balance might be nice, you also have to realize that some of these perfect signs just aren't there. And I think that was what I took away from the olive theory. Ronnie? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that I think it it does make sense that regardless if it's a relationship or a friendship, just two people can't be completely in sync in every aspect because even with Marshall and Lily, it's been established in the show. They are such a great couple, but they are not identical. They're their own people. So they have their differences. And I think that just makes things stronger. Dace. Yeah. Once again, the, the checks and balances thing, uh, I wouldn't necessarily want somebody as crazy and talkative as me because I like the attention and I don't want them stealing it from me. It's mine. Another theory is the mermaid theory, and I forgot about this until I rewatched it because it just wasn't, you know, popular enough or whatever when the series was going along. Uh, do you guys remember the mermaid theory, or are you in the same boat as me where you were like, wait, what episode was that? Yes, I, I remember the mermaid theory. What do you think about it? The, the whole idea that somebody is going to turn into a mermaid when they look like a manatee at first to you? <laughs> that, I think, 
is very true. You're going to have a moment, even if it's just you get closer with the person or you're you're a 10 feeling like a 4, you're just going to one day look at this person and they're going to be attractive to you, even if it's just for one day or one night or whatever it is. Anybody else have any perspectives of the mermaid theory? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> any personal stories? <laughs> well, no, I don't think so. I've never dated a manatee. In all mermaids. <laughs> I do like one theory that they do have, but I'll talk about that after we get past the mermaid one. Well, if anybody else has nothing else to mention about mermaid theory, go ahead. Oh, uh, does anybody? I don't want to stray into real topic. No, go ahead. Mm. See, I'm a big fan of Barney's theory that women are like gremlins. One, never get them wet. In other words, don't let them have a shower at your place. Two, keep them away from sunlight, i.e. don't ever let them see, see you during the day. And three, never feed them after midnight, meaning she does not sleep over and you do not do breakfast with her. Ever. And brunch is not cool. You mean you wouldn't rock it two bros brunch style? If I invited you to brunch? <laughs> Ted, brunch is not cool. Oh, man! <laughs> I don't know. I'm hearing that zucchini breads were dunk. How about a little Mamma Mia? <laughs> that I might have to pass down on. That's I a do- character that I really think that they should have had some more time with, Brad. Is that the Blitz? No, the Blitz was awesome, though. I love the okay. Blitz. But I'm not talking about the Blitz. Oh, man. <laughs> Brad, the uh, other lawyer that Marshall was friends with from law school. And who Joe came Manganello. back? Oh, yeah, that big guy. <laughs> that Barty punched and goes, I think we've, we should just talk this out. <laughs> <laughs> I did like his character a lot. He was one of the best supporting characters, I think. Ah, Scooby was pretty cool. Scooby was good for an episode, yeah. Any um, people that you guys can think of that were supporting characters that popped up for a couple episodes that you were really a big fan of? That's one that comes to my mind right off the bat is Brad. Definitely Brad. But I would also say Abby, Britney Spears, Britney Spears' character. That was a great supporting role. And all of the parents, like, Ted's mom, Clint. Clint is one of my favorites. Um, and, of course, James. Oh, yeah, James. Yeah. James is a good one. Gotta love like... Wayne Brady. Gotta love Wayne Brady. Meh. Carl, the bartender. Right? That was his name, Carl. Yeah. Do we ever find out his last name? I always thought it was McLaren. McLaren. Isn't he, like... Hispanic? <laughs> yeah, he could be part Irish. Well, he did say the bar stayed in the family when he gave it to his son. His white son with blonde hair, which is... <laughs> he might have... I also liked Will Sasso's character when he was, like, the uh, bouncer there a couple times. Doug the bartender? Or, yeah. With the, uh... The wet hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite running jokes in that episode. <laughs> So why are they wet? No explanation for it. <laughs> I like how he was really happy about it, too. He's just like, nobody's, nobody's wearing the hats that I made. <laughs> I liked, 
Blauman a lot, and I didn't realize it until watching it again this time around. But that steak sauce thing that they had going for that, and when he stands up on the conference table to take a piss and leave, and come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mentioned Blauman, they do say in that episode when he stands on the conference table that he died. So there's another little uh, story plot that they did not follow through with. Yeah, oh, somebody think... somebody tweeted. Uh, it yeah. was either Carter Bays or do you know which one it was? Carter I, or Craig? I want to say it was Craig, but I could be wrong. But I saw that tweet where he was saying that Barney was just lying at, in that episode. Yeah, in in their defense, when I don't talk to somebody in six months and somebody goes, "Hey, have you heard from so and so?" I'm like, "Oh, they think they died." That's what <laughs> I do. And he does kind of throw that out there, just like, "Oh, and he died." Yeah. <laughs> So I, I completely understand why he may have thought he died. It might have been six months since he last talked to him. Or it could have just been Doppelganger. True. <laughs> that is true. I want to find my Doppelganger so much. It's ridiculous. I really want that to be like a real thing. We're going to play a little game right here. And right. it's going to be Name That Bitch. <laughs> I'm going to mention somebody who was... An old conquest in a dating world for Ted, and I want to know if you, any of you guys can actually pop her name out. So I got a couple here. Robin. <laughs> <laughs> well, for half the episodes, yes. <laughs> this one knows Krav Maga. Natalie. Ding, ding, ding. Who was the person in the pineapple incident? Trudy. It's, uh,. It's Mandy Moore. I know. I don't know what her name is. No, it was Trudy. Is it Trudy? Yep, Mandy Moore was the, the tattoo. Ah. Who is Boats, Boats, Boats? Okay. <laughs> the person who went on the date to see the wedding bride. Oh, what is her name? That was not one that I remembered. I remembered the actress, but I never remembered her name on the show. I want to say Jen, but... Nope. Ah, you got me there. Shakira. (laughs) (laughs) Royce, apparently. Royce. Royce. That's not even ringing a bell. Right. Insignificant character, but why not? More significant character, Ted's on and off again girlfriend in college. Karen. Uh. Donna. (laughs) Donna Gatsby. <laughs> uh, speaking of Royce, this is something that I mentioned um, that I was going to talk about different things that I never saw until uh, watching it a second time around. The end of the episode, they were talking about how everybody has baggage, and they show a bunch of people that are carrying briefcases and suitcases and everything that's supposed to represent their baggage, and it all says something on each one of their things. Apparently... I think there's three girls that walk by that shot that it says slept with Barney. (laughs) And something that I was like, that is really cool because nobody's going to see this unless they go back and watch it. A guy is holding uh, one of the baggage things and his says still thinks his ska band is going to take off. And he ends up bumping into a girl, and her baggage says dates got only dates guys in a band. And they just bump into each other and just go like, "Oh, sorry." So hmm. I don't know if 
they ever planned on doing like a little spinoff or just, that was just like another little romanticizing of the minutiae of everyday life kind of things. But looking back on that, I was just like, that's a really kind of sweet thing that they threw out there. Something else. Apparently Barney loves the number 83. When he does statistics, he tends to use 83 almost every single time. And there's a bunch of other instances throughout where he picks a number and it's something like 183 or 38 or... Or 8.3, I think he did once. Yeah, 8.3, yeah. So that's another running gag. Yeah, and I like Ted did call him on that in one episode. Said, did you know when you make up a statistic, you always pick 83? Right. And it's always the inverse of whatever it is. 17% mm-hmm. of the time this happens. <laughs> Uh, the Murtaugh list, that's another random thing here. I agree. <laughs> Sometimes you just get to that point you can't do that shit anymore. Stuff. I mean, stuff. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> don't end up like mine. None of you play laser tag? Is that what I'm getting here? I would if I could. I don't have any around this area. Dude, there's one, like, up on 73. It's fantastic. The only oh. problem is if you're like you're six three and the kids are like four ten, so if you're trying to shoot them, normally they get you first because your chest is eye level and theirs is on the ground. So what kind of adult shoots at the ground? <laughs> Freaking unfair. I see a future thing that we're gonna have to try to do. Dude, I'll go. Let's go this weekend. Oh no, right. WrestleMania the weekend after. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Front porch is something that ties into the mother and i really hope that they bring that into the next episode the episode where lily is talking about how when she looks at ted's romantic conquests and tries to figure out whether or not she can break them up it all depends on if she sees that person sitting on the front porch with them when they're old playing bridge which another reference to continuity marshall is the person who wins bridge (laughs) except for when karen plays right but fuck Aaron. <laughs> I really hope that they show something in regards to that. I don't know if they necessarily need to show them doing the actual sitting on the front porch and playing bridge or whatever, but that would be a nice little tie-in that I could see them doing where, you know, he's done telling the story and the mother, whatever her name is, comes in and just goes like, oh, you ready to come out back and play bridge? That'd be a nice little thing, I think. What do you guys think about that? You want to see the porch, or has it already passed? I wouldn't mind seeing it, but for most people, it's probably already passed. So I doubt they'll throw it in there. Yeah, I'd like to see it too, but I I agree with that. We all have very strong feelings about this. Apparently. <laughs> So I was still reading the Murtaugh list and trying to cross off how many things I do on a daily basis. <laughs> um, well, the Murtaugh list is going to be something that I definitely take away from this show and remember for years and years to come. I'm going to be, you know, 60 and thinking to myself, maybe I should have made a Murtaugh list. Well, looking at the 14 items that are known to be on the list, I can still do them all except for number one. Number one, I'm never going to pierce my own ears. I feel like that's just dangerous. <laughs> You want me to read the list? I don't think that there's many things out there, but why don't you read the list? Uh, throw it okay. out there for anybody else. Number one is to pierce your own ears. Not going to happen. 
Uh, number two, crash on a friend's futon instead of getting a hotel room. I've crashed in their tubs. Uh, <laughs> number three, pull an all-nighter. Just did that in February. Uh, four, laser tag. Yeah, that's not going to give that up. Five, eat an entire pizza in one sitting. Do that all the time. Hang posters on your walls with no frames. Right, I don't want my posters to get destroyed, but I could do that. Um, do laundry at my mom's house. Still live at my mom's house. Uh, put off going to the doctor. Haven't been in three years. Uh, drink shots with strangers. I've bought an entire bar around. Uh, leave an annoying two-person message on your answering machine. Uh, I would never do that just because that's stupid. Um, help someone move out of a six-floor walk-up in exchange for pizza and beer. I have helped people move for pizza and beer. Dye my hair a funny color. I have frosted the tips before. Beer bong every weekend. And go to a rave. I kind of have my own rave in my own bedroom. <laughs> Sandstorm. So yeah. Would you, yep. <laughs> so would you say you got the cool guy tips? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> You're going to turn yours into the same uh, nightclub from one of the first episodes where you have to just talk in between the different sections of the songs. In. I'll do it. Have. <laughs> you. Met. Ted. <laughs> that's how I want this to be the introduction by the way of how they meet each other oh, that'd be great I just want somebody preferably Barney to just say to her have you met Ted that'd like, be a great like, way not even like the whole drug out way like have you met Ted <laughs> like uh, have you met Ted and then mm-hmm. just away. Like, oh. well I was thinking they've all met her already what if they all just collectively realize she's perfect for Ted and they all be the have you met Ted Ted close it out that'd be a good way to combine them all I like that maybe they can include some kind of a a duck or a rabbit (laughs) I feel like Barney should see her again though before they do that because didn't they establish that Barney met her like a year ago or something like a long time ago yeah I think it was like right around the time it was supposed to be right around the time where he plots the robin right so yeah it was i feel like he should see her again to just kind of remember oh yeah that that i remember her either that or they're gonna go you know you met whatever her name is kimberly tracy or whatever like that and he's gonna go boobs <laughs> <laughs> can't blame him <laughs> a character that i really want to see them incorporate but i don't think that they will and it's kind of a shame is punchy there's no place for him at this wedding, but if they do some kind of a flash-forward, I'd love to see Punchy pop up there. I could easily see a flash-forward to Ted's wedding, just because we've already seen him propose to her. We've seen pretty much everything except their actual wedding and them meeting, so they could be saving both of those things for the finale. And I don't want to see future Ted, by the way, do you guys? I do. No. I think I do, just to see Bob say it once, even if it was just in a cameo doing something else just to see him on the show once yeah like maybe if they show ted's wedding have bob saget just be sitting there as a guest somewhere well how do you guys think that they're going to explain the change in voice throat cancer maybe ted's the one with the terminal illness oh there you go (laughs) snap he better not he's gotten shit all this entire (laughs) life (laughs) that would suck He's like, I finally meet this woman in my dreams. And then they're like, 
hey, remember that basal cell carcinoma from the beginning of the episodes? Yeah, well, that's part of your throat. You're going to sound like Bob Saget now for the rest of your life. <laughs> I kind of want them to just make a joke out of it. He could just kind of be talking and then go, <clears throat> sorry about that, kids, and start talking like normal dead. Oh, that yeah, sore throat today. Like. I've heard a lot of people saying that that must mean that he's like, going insane or something or that he's not actually telling the story and it's going to be somebody else. And I don't know. It just really means that they didn't think the show would last more than a season or two. And they were just like, Oh, we can get away with this. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to the moments that you guys think you're going to look back on the most, and either rewatch, you know, because they're really funny ones that you're going to laugh about or things that maybe taught you a really good lesson. What are some uh, stuff that's really going to be sticking with you? I'll start with Jamie here. Um, I don't know. I guess not to be, like, sappy, but, like, any speech Ted has made on love or meeting people or friendships or life in general... Um, I think those are the moments that I'm going to remember just because I think he gives really great advice and those are just really quotable things that he says most of the time. Um, I guess comedic-wise, most of Barney's antics are always going to stick out for me. And and Marshall, too. Anything between Marshall and Ted, like the sword fight and Lily getting stabbed, um, that sort of thing will always stick out. Uh, those are the things I'm probably going to remember the most. Robert? I would say definitely a lot of what Ted has done for all of the women he's tried to do with over the years. I I would take away a lot from the Marshall and Lily relationship. But on the comedic side, I, I think I... I'm really going to take away a lot of the songs, you know. They have a lot of great music on there, both specifically for the show and a lot of the background music they play. Bang, 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 I always loved Murder Train. I actually used that for a, uh, a ringtone for people for a while. <laughs> but you can't really be like in a situation and have Murder Train go off and not look weird. So. <laughs> Why didn't Foreskin play at the wedding? Foreskins? <laughs> God, I love that name. That's so perfect for that. Ronnie, what are you going to take away from the show? I mean, as far as the comedic side, some of my answers are already taken. Like the Suits song. I just love that song. Um... The cockamouse. That just sticks with me. Um, I, I'm just kind of drawing a blank. I can't, as far as more emotional stuff, I can't really think of specifics off the top of my head right now. Just in general, I just love it all. I know that's so cliched but and boring, but, you know. Days. Well, when it comes to, like, the comedy side, it's the bro code. I have the book. It's fantastic. The playbook. I have that book as well. It's fantastic. Um, the slap bet. 
been trying to get people to engage me in it, but they just don't want to because they know they'd lose. <laughs> um, and when it comes to emotional, it has to be two things. Barney's transformation from he was just an ass clown when we first started, and now he, he settled down, he's getting married, and he has such a, a broad range of emotions now, but still is that quirky, funny dude. Um, and every time Ted touches upon the whole we drift apart, but we come back together thing, because everybody goes through that. Um, so that's pretty much it. I can't imagine how many things I've taken from this and things that I don't even know that I've taken. I mean, I've sort of written down a lot of things from the years, and I can call back to How I Met Your Mother being the start of that. Uh, I do refer to myself as future Tony quite a bit. Definitely picked that up from How I Met Your Mother. And I've done so many different things that are quotes from the show that I've incorporated in my normal speech patterns. The whole, what do you do, go. Definitely my go-to thing when it com- comes to, like, here's the situation, and how would you go about this? It's just immediately, what do you do, go. I can't help but salute when people do, like, major problem or general recourse or something like that. Definitely do that. Any kind of innuendo? Yeah, had to. <laughs> Have to say that. I've even picked up the right, right thing that Ted does. And I didn't realize that until rewatching this this second time around. Thankfully, I have a better mindset that I don't pick up steak sauce, but <laughs> that would be really confusing to people. But I have said boom lawyered. And I don't know if there's a list that I can make about everything because there's just so much. But that's one of my favorite things about the comedy of the show has been how quotable it's been and how their situations can tie into what we've seen and can apply to the things that we've gone through. Or we can call back to them later on if we haven't gone through them already. Uh, As far as the more emotional stuff, Ted and I have a lot of common. I mentioned this before. There's some things that are different, and a lot of times those things that are different make a big difference on certain episodes, I don't drink any episode that he has where it revolves around drinking. I don't see any connection whatsoever, but there's a lot of little things that really taught me over the years, as much as you can kind of say, well, it's a TV show. It shouldn't really teach you anything. It's fake taught me that my perspective of things doesn't necessarily need to be true or false for it to have an effect on the outside world. And whenever Ted goes through a situation where he, kind of argues with himself about stuff and has to let the universe decide and let things just happen to him. I think back to that when I'm in those positions. There's a good quote that they do in one of the episodes where he's struggling with his Mosby's designs that I really took to heart. And that's when he's talking to Lily and he says, but I have to be an architect. That's the plan. I'm 100% a planner when it comes to that stuff. And watching this show has kind of given me this sense of hope that things will work out in the end. And even though it is scripted and it doesn't actually have those powers to do that, that you never know. And you're sometimes you're too hard on yourself. 
and you really should just kind of let the world decide and figure it all out. There's a couple other quotes that I think are really fantastic that sum up a lot of the show and my opinions about it. I'm going to read two of them real quick. Um, one of them is a pretty recent one. He says, here's the secret kids. None of us can vow to be perfect in the end. All we can do is promise to love each other with everything we've got because love is the best thing we do. I guess if you're the sentimental type, you're going to believe in that. And that's one of the reasons why you would like this show. And if you're not, that's going to be that divide where you're just like, Oh, this show's too sappy. What the hell loves the best thing we do and all that. But for us fans that, that resonates, that hits us hard. And another great one that really exhibits how the show can balance the serious and the comedic is the episode when they are trying to figure out the best party in uh, New York for the New Year's Eve. And he just kind of spells it out as reality goes. He says to the kids, you probably want to feel bad for your old man at this point in the story. Well, don't. Not every night has a happy ending, but it's all important. All of it was leading somewhere. So if you're ever feeling upset and all that, those kind of things can get you through it. And that's going to be something I really miss about this show. It's tough when you are a fan of a series and, you know, you get invested into these characters and, you know, you laugh along, you, you cry along, whatever the case may be, depending on the episode. When it comes to the end of it, you're ultimately building towards the end and you want to see the end of it. We all have been wondering for nine years now what's going to happen when he meets the mother but it's bittersweet and i don't know if you guys think the same thing as i do but now that we're really at the time where this is the last episode coming in less than 24 hours now i kind of wish that they would just go that's ah, like we're gonna have a season 10 <laughs> <laughs> you guys think that or are you just kind of like you know what it's just end when you want to end and you know Oh, I definitely think that. I think it's ridiculous that as much as I love the Big Bang Theory, they're already on board for ten seasons, and How I Met Your Mother was skeptical for nine. But I could go definitely a season ten, if not much more than that. Anyone else think uh, one way or the other? Um, I would like to see a season ten. Just because I enjoyed the show that much that I would love to see that many more stories being told and whatnot to keep seeing the characters develop. But I, at the same time, I, I, I would worry about how much more you can stretch a storyline at the same time, like to the point where it can get ruined. Just because I've seen so many shows, like just try and keep going, keep going, and it's. And it gets to a point where you're like, all right, it has to come to an end. And But I don't know. I feel like with this show, it would also be a completely different story at the same time. Um, just because of the route that they've taken with it and like all their interweaving storylines. And there's always something new being brought up or being shown. Um, I could probably go for a season 10. If it, like, you know, I, I would have confidence in a season 10. Um but I, I don't know. I'm also one of those people that's like, I also like to see a good ending. And I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like I would like to see a season 10 and that I would like to see the mother kind of interwoven into the group dynamics a little more. Just see where 
you know, life goes after this big meeting. But at the same time, I want to look back on the show and love it all the way through and not think, okay, seasons one through nine, I'll rewatch those all the time. And then season 10 is just kind of there. I don't want it to really turn into a Scrubs type situation where I love the show for so long. And I like a lot about season nine, but that overall, I just kind of ignore it. But not to get too far off track here. No, that's actually the point that I was going to bring up. Because <laughs> if it turns into Scrubs, then damn it. <laughs> Scrubs had such a good ending. And then for some reason kept trotting on. Mm-hmm. Do you want to try yeah. to defend that, Daze? <laughs> I loved season nine of Scrubs, but it shouldn't have been called Scrubs. It should have been its own little thing off to the side because it was really good. But so many people went in with certain expectations, not the expectation that it was brand new. Um, and that's what I think was the downfall of season nine. If it was called, if Bill Lawrence was given the freedom to do what he wanted to do, calling it meds and such, I think it could have survived on its own as like a three or four season show. But don't do it for How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> you know what, though? With How I Met Your Mother, I have a stronger connection to that than Scrubs. I mean, I do love Scrubs. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, but it's nowhere near in comparison to How I Met Your Mother. If they were to tell me that they were going to just do a series that has a spinoff and it was about just Barney or just Ted or whatever, I would be totally down for that. I'm even, as much as I don't think I'm going to like it, I'm even going to check out How I Met Your Father or How I Met Your Dad. Which one is it called? I think it's your dad. It's dad, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's going to go well. I think it's going to turn into kind of a Scrubs thing, but... It's going gonna, it's gonna to go back to the ex- expectations. Fans are going to expect How I Met Your Mother, and they're going to get something completely different. They're going to expect that 70s show and get that 80s show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think that might be the last scene that we see of this show, by the way. I think there might be some kind of a reference. Maybe she moves in, the lead character of How I Met Your Dad, maybe she moves into the old apartment, and the last shot is her saying, like, I don't know, hey, or something like that. (laughs) And it just kind of goes on from there if they want to do it that way but uh that'll probably be the last thing that we talk about on this podcast if you guys want to call in remember last chance here 760-512-7247 when it comes to the finale what do you guys hope is the very end the final cap off of the whole thing i don't want to necessarily see that be the end of it i really just want to go with Everybody is alive, there's no death scenario, and they're all just happy, and they're all sitting in McLaren's. The end. That's what I want to see. Right? I'd I'd love to see that, too. Um, I think I've heard, though, that Carter Bage, Craig Thomas, they've said they've had pretty much the last ten minutes roughly planned out for years, like almost since the beginning. So that just kind of makes me wonder. I, I honestly have no idea where they're going to go, but I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be interesting, possibly heartbreaking. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's much more hilarious than heartbreaking, but there'll probably be a nice balance of both. There's not going to be a scene where it's like, it turns out that the mother's actually dead, and the reason Ted is telling this story is because he's going to do a murder-suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on the DVD. <laughs> Alternate <laughs> ending. <laughs> that'll be post credits like in the Avengers movies and stuff <laughs> or it'll just fade to black hey, dad what are you doing with that gun and it just fades to black <laughs> with don't stop believing playing in the background 
Robert, how do you want it to end? Oh, when I came up with the name for this, it's because that's the last thing I wanted to hear on the show was Last Call, and they're all singing at the bar, and that's my dream scenario. I do think we're going to end up with something really heartbreaking as far as the mother. I, I hope not, because I don't think while this show has taken a lot of elements from indie comedies and they do have a layer of darkness to them i think for a sitcom on cbs that would be a little too much and i think ultimately they're going to go with the mother may not be alive but she loved you kids blah 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 you know try to make a happy ending out of something heartbreaking but if i had my way it would just be they're all sitting around at the bar. Everyone's with their soulmate. Last call, and that's how you end it. I hope that it's not last call as a toast to the dead mother. <laughs> That'll be heartbreaking. <laughs> then I might actually be in tears. Oh, I'm, I'm not ready to start crying, crying my eyes yet. Out. I know it. I'm going to be crying my eyes out from the, probably like scene number two. <laughs> what the hell? I'll probably take a picture of it and put it on the review that I'll be doing. <laughs> You're like, see, look, you know, I was crying. Like, <laughs> you'll be crying once you realize it's the last time you'll hear that theme song for a new episode. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Jamie, how do you think that it should end? Uh, I also thought it would probably end at the bar and like have it be like I don't know the end like the title of this podcast kind of made me think of that like have it be last call McLaren's or have them like leaving and the camera zoom in on like the empty bar um just because I feel like like have them leaving and whatnot I don't know how I would feel about the mother ending up being dead I think uh I I would probably end up crying more so for Ted than anything else um I really hope they don't take that route um, but, uh, I hope it ends on a much lighter note than that. I'm not quite sure, though. Dace? I've got two theories. The first theory is they're all at a church for the wedding, and then Marshall's dad appears and puts his hand on their shoulders and goes, it's time. And they all stand up and they walk to a light, and everybody in the world is severely disappointed because it's just like Lost. Or, or they're all brought to trial because of all this ridiculous stuff they've done, and they all go to jail. <laughs> or it all turns out to be inside the mind of some kind of a, an autistic kid. They pull a scene elsewhere. <laughs> they wake up on the set of Two and a Half Men, and the entire time it was Charlie Sheen on a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, he wakes up, and the whole thing turns out to be a dream. Dallas. The Dallas yeah. thing with uh, in the shower. Patrick Duffy's in the shower the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's been narrating it. Turns out Patrick Duffy is Bob Saget. Yeah, it, it takes place in the house in San Francisco. <laughs> and he goes, Michelle, that's how I met your mother. But she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> or you find out that the whole time it was just a story based on characters in Ted's life. But he switched them around like a Roseanne type of thing. <laughs> He's actually Barney. <laughs> He's been really subtly telling these kids like all these other people could be their mothers. Yeah, Jesse is Barney. Joey is Marshall. 
throwing this stuff out there. Michelle is uh, non-existent. She died in the womb. By the way, <laughs> the mother is dead. That would make it two sitcoms for Bob Saget with dead wives. Oh, that's true. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> poor Bob Saget. He's killing them. He's not poor Bob Saget. Poor women. <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow is the final episode titled Last Forever. Everybody's going to be watching that. Everybody's going to be laughing and crying and uh, having fun. Hopefully not getting too depressed. But even though that's last forever, this podcast can't last forever. As we know, nothing good happens after 2 a.m., and we're getting closer to that point right now. So we're going to wrap this up here by going around in a circle one last time to plug other things that we have going on, some shows to check out for, so on and so forth. Dace, up to you. Okay, follow me on Twitter, at the Dace Man. Check me out Wednesday nights here on Mega Powers Radio for the Dace Man Show. Also, April 13th is the debut of the Four Real Movie Club, where we break down Mel Brooks films. And just check out everything I'm writing on fanboysanonymous.com. Ronnie? I've currently got nothing in the pipeline, just because it's such a busy, stressful time with school. So I'm just going to plug fanboys in general. Everyone check out Fanboys Anonymous. There's a lot of great people doing great things. So just keep it here. Jamie? Um, kind of with Ronnie on that one. Been busy with school, so... Kind of ditto on that. Uh, fanboys have been keeping up with that, and uh, I feel like people should definitely check it out. It's got cool stuff, a lot of stuff on comics, and just nerdy stuff altogether. Robert, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at dude felice. That's d u d e f e l i c e, and there you can find links to my. Uh, alternative t-shirts site that I'm doing and stick to Smart Out Moment where I've been covering the wrestling TV shows and I'm going to be writing articles and all that good stuff and hopefully more to come in the future. Alrighty guys, it's been mentioned before, fanboysanonymous.com and megapowersradio.com which we were doing this on tonight and we do all of our special episodes all the other programming on Mega Powers Radio that you can check out. Remember, we have uh, Nerd Court is going to be coming up soon. We've got pretty much every day of the week is going to be covered. So you have no excuses. You can always find some time to check something out. <laughs> and we're always going to have a review of this upcoming Last Forever episode, both episodes in one uh, since it's a two-parter. That's going to be up tomorrow. So... If you don't want to know what happens, don't check that out. But after you know and you're ready to be spoiled, make sure you check out the review that I'm going to be writing up there. And remember, kids, as Barney said, whatever you do in this life, it's not legendary unless your friends are there to see it. So big thanks to everybody who joined in on this little podcast that we had going on here. I hope everyone enjoys the finale tomorrow night. Thank you guys for listening. One ticket to Farhampton, please. See you next time, everybody. No tomorrow.